We Have Issues is a weekly podcast full of reviews of comics and oversharing. We use grown-up language to make very childish jokes. You can find the show at wehaveissues.net, as well as anywhere else where average to not too bad podcasts can be found. Hello, listener, and welcome to episode 125, uh, one of two episodes 125 of We Have Issues. It has been a really long time, a really long time, a very long time. Uh, my name is Nick. This is a podcast about comics, and it's been such a long time uh, since there was last an episode of this. That is nobody's fault but mine. And uh, and maybe uh, maybe whoever came up with cold viruses is that God? Did did God come up with cold viruses? Was it a dinosaur? I don't know. Uh, d- d- partly partly uh, my colds, partly my my uh, sick physical health, uh, partly sick mental health. In that uh, comics were making me very morose for a really long time and I didn't want to talk about them or do podcasting or nothing at the tail end of 2017. Uh, 2017 felt like a really long year, didn't it? It felt like it was at least 365 days long, which seems like a really, really long time. Actually, 365 days probably doesn't seem like that long when you're breaking it down, you're just doing one year. It seems really easy, but then when you think that you pile one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other, probably for at least 60 years um, of a lifetime, seems like a lot. That's a lot of days. It's something like 52,000 days. It's a long time. It's a very long time. It's something like 7 billion seconds uh, a lifetime is. And, uh, And 2017 seemed like a particularly long chunk of a lifetime uh, the podcast i have lined up for you isn't that new either it's um it's actually a friend of the show and a composer of the music at the beginning of the show and longtime contributor to the show uh for a while there one of one of three patrons uh, to the show and hopefully again future patron when i start that up again um david Wynn actually had a conversation with me about comics and other stuff uh, towards the end of middle end of uh, December 2017 and um, we talked for a really long time and it was great it was absolutely lovely it made me feel good about the comics he was talking about we talked about films and TV and a whole bunch of other stuff as well uh, we bitched about a bunch of comic artists who've removed that uh, because um, we don't want people uh, to to uh, to know who we really are. Uh, so we've um, we're presenting a version of ourselves to the listening public that is is a, a thoroughly more decent than we are. But anyway, yeah, uh, David Wynn um, talked to me for a real. Oh, I, all those other things I mentioned. He's also now his artwork is now canon within the. Uh, Marvel X-Men universe Uh, so that's quite exciting that wasn't the case I I believe that wasn't the case when we talked back in 2017 a lot of things have changed since then 
Um, I think we were pretty sure we were just going to be using Mastodon uh, as a social network back then. It was a very exciting time. Um, it was probably about a month ago. So how many comic creators will have soiled themselves in public since then? It's averaging out at about 1.2 a week and about 17. 17. There were 17 people that we could have only guessed were assholes before who it's now turned out were assholes. So, um, so there's that. Um, I think the last time we did a show, uh, the, everyone had realized that sexual harassment was really, really bad. Uh, certainly now we're absolutely certain of it. Um, at the time we recorded... I don't think uh, I knew how good a film uh, The Last Jedi was, or at least certainly how much I would enjoy it. We could have guessed how divisive it was going to be, but I don't think at that point it quite was yet, um, in as much as uh, it needed to come out to become divisive. Also, I hadn't seen Justice League. That's going to come up during the course of this podcast. Uh, at the time when we recorded this podcast, which was back in time, I hadn't seen Justice League yet. I have since seen Justice League, and I quite enjoyed it. Not as much as I enjoyed Last Jedi. I really enjoyed The Last Jedi. Um, hadn't seen Black Lightning. First episode of that was great. That's on Netflix, so that's good. Hadn't seen Bright at that point, uh, which wasn't such a a bad thing, not having seen that. But I also hadn't seen the second season of Dirk Gently. Now, here's a thing. Um, when Dirk Gently got cancelled... Uh, there isn't going to be a third season of Dirk Gently. But when Dirk Gently got cancelled, it was almost bad news. But actually, as much as I enjoyed the second series, it's very worth watching uh, the first two series, uh, the only two series of the American Dirk Gently show. Um, on the one hand, it's a shame there won't be a third series, but on the other, it's really uncomfortable enjoying something made by... Uh, professional gobshite and probable sex harasser and monster uh, Max Landis um, who it turns out was always a gobshite and is probably a, a, a sex monster as well I don't mean sex monster in any sort of a positive way um, what else happened I mean loads of stuff has happened Trump's probably made an idiot of himself British politics is probably a mess 2018 so far isn't shaping up to be that much better than 2017. Uh, it turns out uh, apparently the only way to be absolutely sure that someone working on an X-Men book isn't an intolerant arsehole is if you actually know them personally um, or if their work has accidentally ended up in uh, an X-Men comic uh, because it was uh, used on Explain the X-Men. Anyway... David and I talked for something like two and a half hours. I'm not going to put you through the two hours of that that I think is usable podcast material. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to split it up into two. And it's going to be a wonky fit because the first one is mainly about TV and film. And the, basically we talked a lot about TV at the beginning of the uh, the the conversation and then we talked a bit about films at the end I think that's the way around we did it uh, but I figure it, it makes sense to split those things out and you can listen to those today and then uh, there'll be a conversation about comics uh, coming out from us in the next couple of days afterwards I'm not gonna the, the, the episodes aren't gonna be too far apart 
you'll be able to listen to both of them quite close together if you can stand to do that. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the Netflix Marvel shows. We'll talk a bit about the Marvel movies, Justice League, Man from Uncle, John Carter, um, Sherlock Holmes, Holmes and Rock and Roller. It's, uh, it's really good, David and I, talking about these films because I think in most cases, only one of us has seen either one. So we're having to, to trust each other uh, on, uh, on uh, exactly what the other one is saying about the film. Um, which you know we're deeply in love so it's a it's a beautiful sort of trust that we have in 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 each other anyway i'm gonna let you listen to that and uh i'll speak to you afterwards um so you i did want to talk to you i did want to talk to you about something else before we start talking about actual comics it is related you watch the punisher I did watch The Punisher. I also watched Have Justice you... League yesterday, but yes. Did watch, oh. Not yesterday, day before yesterday, but anyway, yes. I, I did watch The Punisher. See it next week. Um, are, you, um, are you up to date on all of the Netflix Marvel things? I am. I am indeed, yeah. I mean, Because I've know. tuned them out a little bit. But, I mean, I think, uh, where did you tune out? I think I started watching Luke Cage. I thought, oh, I really like this cast because someone from um, Sons of Anarchy turned up and I really liked him. And and I actually did want to watch Luke Cage, okay, but couldn't find the time to to sit down and do it. And then Iron Fist came out, and the way people were talking about Iron Fist, I was like, well, I'd already started seeing the roots of this stuff in the second season of Daredevil, and I'm already starting to think less of Jessica Jones, like <laughs> in okay. um, on reflection. And and so I I haven't got back to Luke Cage. And so I haven't watched Iron Fist and I haven't... Um, Daredevil Season 2 took me a really long time to get through. I can understand that. The The second half of Daredevil Season 2 is a bit of a slog. It, it kind of... yeah. I, I, I thought it sort of sorted itself out towards the end, but it it's definitely... Like, it was already starting to show, like, in the first Daredevil... Because didn't it, it goes Daredevil... Season one, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Devil season two, Luke Cage, doesn't it? It's like yeah. So Daredevil season one, maybe not immediately obvious about the bagginess, but like it was there. Then Jessica Jones, it I enjoyed that all the way through, mm-hmm. um, but it does have a lot of needless sort of wheel spinning in the plot, yeah. like where. You know, they get him, he gets away, they get him, he gets away, sort of stuff going on. And then, um, and then it was in Daredevil season two, it became really obvious that they, that they have this thing of it has to be 13 episodes, but they just don't have the story for it. And they all, and they, they end up like, because the, 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 the thing that struck me with Daredevil season two was like the first three episodes are kind of, quite good like they're really like yeah. they're, they're, they're like the punisher story and then it kind of just wanders for ages after that and then it uh, before it kind of comes back to something towards the end luke cage sorry i'm going off on a, i'm giving you dave's potted uh, reviews of all the marvel netflix shows but like luke cage the first half is great and then i'm not gonna uh, spoil it i'm not gonna spoil a show that's out there for ages ago and that is part of an ongoing narrative that has moved on miles and I don't know why I'm not spoiling it but there is a character that goes away halfway through uh-huh. and the spark of the show 
really winks out at that point. They're kind of replaced in the narrative by another character who doesn't have the charisma, doesn't have the like the weight. The character doesn't have the weight, and neither does the actor. Hmm. And you, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? I haven't. Well, I haven't seen it all the way from now. I saw you the first two episodes. Oh my god! Okay, but I th- no, I think I, I think I do. Did it? Um, Shall did, I just uh, say? Shall I just say? Does it? Does it kill? Does it kill another black father figure? Is that something that happens? No, that's. I mean, that it is depressing. Like the way that happens in the other shows, but no, it's. Mm. Um, I am going to spoil it. Ma- Maharasha, is it Maharasha? Is that how it's pronounced? Ali. The, uh, oh yeah, Cottonmouth. He yeah. di- He dies in episode six. And oh, but he was the baddie. Yeah, and he's so good and mm. so charismatic and really sort of gives the show like a weight. Mm. And then um, and then he's replaced by Diamondback, the real villain, um, who is played by a guy I have never heard of and who um, just has a kind of anti-charisma. Like, is he of, the guy... He's the guy who he ter- he comes back to town in the first couple of episodes, and they they used to know each other, and he wants to. He's he's. Oh no, that's that's someone else. I think. I think I think he's the envoy of Diamondback. Yeah, that's Shane. Yeah. he's yeah, got yeah. some charisma, and he's kind of by the end of the thing, he's kind of set up as to be the next sort of big, you know, to be the future big bad. But like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this Diamondback guy is just his motivations don't make sense. His char- like, even when they reveal what they actually are, it doesn't really work, and the the actor's no good, and it just or his performance is no good anyway. And it just the it really sucks the air out of the show, and it has this the 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 added thing of you know there's about three episodes in there where nothing really happens because they don't know what to do, and then so you. But those first six episodes are great, and I do think it with Luke Cage. I think it is worth getting to the end because mm. it, it's there's enough good in there. And I mean, it depends, you know, what you want to get out of it. For me, like I honestly like there is something for me about just seeing that many black people on a screen mm. at once. Like I think you know this is kind of uh, probably a little bit problematic actually, but like um, having moved out of a very like black area of southeast london um and very ethnically diverse but particularly with like people of you know with african and afro caribbean people um to move out of an area like that to somewhere very white it really does like i really feel it when i watch luke cage when i watch the get down Mm. you know um i get something out of watching those shows that um probably isn't very healthy <laughs> it's possibly well, no, a little I bit think, sort of tourism. i mean i think i no i understand it i remember when we were in london um when i when we saw each other at london super comic oh, yeah, we, yeah. we were talking about it a little bit because for me it's southampton is um it is di- is relatively diverse but it's mainly um th- there's a huge a- asian community who okay. i think um that 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 uh a, a lot of whom all live in in one area near the university where I work. Okay. Um, not not accidentally. I think that's where the council put people when there was a huge influx of them, and okay. so of course that that's where most people have settled and where there's a community there. Not a huge amount of um, uh, I 
We don't really have a we don't really have a a term like African American. No, do we? we don't. I um I remember the the uh, the singer from was it Audio Web used to call himself an Afro Saxon. I thought that sounded good. Afro Saxon, that's pretty yeah. good. But yeah. so I mean, so um up until quite up until quite recently, there weren't I, I there weren't that many black people here in Southampton that I saw all the time. So um. I think the I think the university I work at has has like made a specific effort to start recruiting students okay um who are from more diverse backgrounds so so that's changed that's changed slightly I think where I work but I, I don't know really but when I when I was at London Super Comic Con and and walking around parts of London that I haven't really because even when I'm in London I'm normally in North London around very um like predominantly greek okay greek turkish sort of north london like places like that so which are very diverse places but they're nothing they're nothing like when i can't remember what street what street we the london super comic con was on oh but it's where it's where yeah. literally everyone in london seems to go to be beautiful and shop. <laughs> yes that's, that's yeah. the impression i got and so it was just an incredible mix of people there it seemed to me so it, I get it. Yeah, it's Islington. It is one of those sorts yeah. of places, but it's it's it's, it's kind of um, it's one of those places, but not in the not at the Knightsbridge end of that. Yeah, so mm. it tends to be more. Yeah, it is quite di- quite a diverse area. I mean, the what it really struck struck me um, is this is where I started thinking. Oh, this this sort of thing is problematic. There was that weekend as well because I was staying with my mum mm-hmm. that weekend, and and. Um, I mean, her area where she is. Ah, I I always hate saying where it is because it's it's on the the address. It's East Dulwich, mm-hmm. right? Which um, has the connotation of Dulwich Village. Which, if you if you're from South East London, then has mm-hmm. connotations. That's a very posh area, right? So Dulwich Village is East Dulwich is on the other side of a big fuck off park, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of council estates and a lot of social housing and certainly when I was growing up it's a very was a very working class sort of area, borders with Peckham, borders with New Cross mm-hmm. um and Forest Hill. However, in the last sort of fifteen years it's there's been creeping gentrification mm-hmm. and, and it's not so much like that anymore. But even with all that Getting off the train at Forest Hill Station when I was going to stay with her, can you hear? Can you hear London creeping into my accent as I talk? Yeah, about yeah, it? as you're talking about it, it's funny. <laughs> but yeah. um, um, I was just really struck. I was like, oh my god, yeah, you know this. This is this is what what it's like not to be constantly surrounded by just by white people, and and it's it, so good. Yeah, yes, I know. It, 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 it sounds like it sounds like fetishism. I know, but it's like, yeah, I've, I've, I'm that's very. The, con- that's the worry, isn't it? That it yeah. sounds it sounds like fetishism, but it's just like, I I I felt it when I went back from when, when I back, went back from there to, um, my where I was staying in Edmonton, yeah, um, and I was stuck at a bus stop for ages because the the night bus didn't turn up, and the only. Um, the only person who was being a complete shithead was the one other white guy who was there, <laughs> who was having a really loud conversation about the fight into his phone, some fight that was happening. 
like boxing match or something that was going to yeah. be happening. Really loud conversation into his phone with his earphones in. Um, swearing a lot in front of... Which is still a bit of a... Because I know I swear a lot. But it's still a bit of a thing for me when there were there were people there with very small children and, yeah, and like babies in pushchairs and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's not appropriate then. I don't... Yeah, I don't like it. But th- there was just sort of... It's just... it's It's very weird for me because... I grew up. <laughs> that was my right. chair. That was my okay. chair. I was adjusting myself in my armchair. Um, I grew up um, very like my a lot of my family talked Greek all the time. Okay. And I, um, but I, we lived very apart from all of that. But I had this weird thing where I used to be much more tuned into being angry about racism and stuff like that when I was a teenager than, right. than I was for like the 10 or 15 years or 20 years between then and five years ago. Um, while at the same time, when I heard people talking Greek, yeah. I, I, I think because I was taking shit just for having olive skin and a weird surname, you know what I mean? I Like when I heard people talking Greek, um, it, I, it made me think, why are you doing that? Talk English. Oh, you're singling okay. you're singling yourselves out. You're making yourself like you're making yourself look like the other. It's gonna make people uncomfortable. Because I made people uncomfortable okay. in a couple of the places we lived in. Well not uncomfortable, I you know, it it was like and it was low level compared to what other people do with, but you know what I mean? It's I was I was very aware that they were different and they were just flaunting it is kind of how I felt. And then that sort of translated to to quite often whenever I heard anybody talking different languages in public, yeah, it I I was like, it didn't make me hate them, but it did make me think, well, don't just don't do that. It's rude. It'll it'll single you out. It's going to make people paranoid. It's weird. Blah 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 blah. Which you know I now realise is complete bollocks. But I've kind of swung the other way, and I just fucking love it now. If I like, yeah. if I can't understand what people are saying, I'm like, well, good, good. Because it means they don't give a shit, or they're comfortable doing it, or whatever, and I'm not supposed to understand what they're saying, and it's fine. And that, you know, that counts for like white teenagers as well. I don't have yeah. a fucking clue what they're talking about most of the time. <laughs> oh, um, it, it literally, yeah. It, sorry, uh, uh, my, I've, I've, I've uh, sorry. The words "internalized racism" just kept mm. bouncing around in my head while you were talking in the, the earlier part of what you. were Oh, saying. absolutely, no, but, yeah, um, absolutely right. But also, yeah, the the people talking in other languages in public, like. Um, I I get annoyed when people talk loudly in public, whatever language they're talking. Mm. But I would prefer it be in another language because at least then I don't have to take in the inanity. Yeah. <laughs> like I, no, and I mean well, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, I totally. You know, I've clearly I've clearly turned around. the The other thing is though that um, like the fact that I only talked English was kind of used to. Um, tease me a lot in oh, my family, in in the wider family. So it's sort of because I should, because you know, as far as they were concerned, I should have learned in, I should have learned Greek, and I never did. And so I think, I think obviously there's a lot to unpack there. But yeah, so so I was at a, um, I was at the bus stop, and there were a whole bunch of people who are clearly from different places, um, or or different different backgrounds even from each other. You know, there were there were a lot of um, I guess Somalian ladies 
with mm. with children who were coming back from maybe shopping in town. Although it's quite late, so I don't know. I was, I mean, I did, I did judge them for being out with their children that late. That's that's just, <laughs> I don't understand why they were doing that. But um, and it was just kind of just being around all sorts of different. Anyway, so no, I understand entirely what you mean about so, Luke Cage. It is, it's just, and and it's a very the the Marvel universe outside of that show. Yeah. Is, is very, very white. fucking white. Like, so, so if you understand that feeling, it is worth getting to the end of Luke Cage. Right, is what I was saying. Uh, the thing with uh, Iron Fist, read the Wikipedia entry. Uh, don't watch that program. It's shit. It's mm. really bad. Like the, yeah, it's just bad. Um, Defenders is again not really worth your time, to be honest. Like um, the actors that play the uh, Daredevil and Luke Cage and uh, Jessica Jones do their best with some of mm. the worst sort of wood, like m- most just shittiest dialogue like I I and I'm I'm I, f- I don't like speaking about things in that kind of harsher way but it's just mm. bad it's just it it's it really feels like it you know most of the dialogue was written that morning you know mm-hmm. like and um there some of the I, I will say some of the uh cinematography like some of the photography in the first sort of half of defenders is quite good actually there's some there's there's some interesting visual sort of storytelling and then even that just stops and it just like the, the the there's a big fight at the end in this underground cavern that is actually laughably bad oh, like gosh. set to Wu Tang clan and it just looks like a bunch of people in fancy dress sort of play fighting um it's not the, even shot interestingly it's shot in a static shot um in a way to get them all on on screen at the same time that's just it's really bad <laughs> the bit that they showed in the teaser that and i mean this is this is a, a thing i'm feeling like because i i i quite like the i quite like the dc movies uh and how um in that each of them, despite what people say, each of them does look very different from each. They they mm. tend to look quite different from each other. The Snyder films look really different from the Nolan films. Um, what so they look like movies to me. So, but nobody shares those trailers generally yeah. because they're too busy slagging off everything that comes out of them, which is fine because I don't really like watching trailers anyway. Yeah. But the Marvel ones are very difficult to avoid because people love them. Yeah. And so I end up catching lots of stuff that I just seems really lackluster to me and people and I don't want to you know it's not really in the, this is probably why I've had so much trouble recording anything for a while. I don't like I yeah. don't like it when people do this. But um that's why I kind of avoid the trailers. It's it, it it's because it's because I do find them a little bit like well, I mean, a tra- a tra- a, the thing about trailers is they're they they they're pretty lies anyway, aren't they? Like they're yeah. they're they're not really indicative of the quality of the the coming thing. Uh, you could get really bad trailers for really good films, and really good mm. trailers for really bad films, and they're they're a, a thing in and of themselves. And and either you you know, if I quite I sort of quite enjoy a trailer, but yeah. I don't. But it's divorced f- for me. Unless I do, I, I, I'll admit I, I've watched. I have watched all of the Justice. I did watch all the Justice League trailers, and I did watch all the Wonder Woman trailers. But I was very excited about those 
films, but I don't generally do that with things. If something's coming and I want to see it, I don't tend to seek out trailers. Um, I th- I think the other thing is I'm back in that I'm back in that situation, and trailers just seem to make it worse. I don't understand. I don't understand the idea of getting excited. I have enough trouble remembering the re- release dates of films. Yeah. So the, the idea of making a big deal about a trailer, like it's like midnight openings. I've never understood those either because it's like, well, okay, so you buy Titanic at midnight, but you're going to be too tired to watch it. You <laughs> might as well just buy it lunchtime the next day. It's, it's, yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. That stuff has never made any sense to me. And trailers are kind of... I, <laughs> The thing is, I love a good trailer as well. I'm just remembering watching No Limits, the TV show. I'm sure we've talked about this before. Um, the um, which I think was a Jonathan King fronted TV show. I'm not oh, sure, God. but um, and the I think it was the tra- I don't think it was the trailer for one of the good Star Trek films. I think it was the trailer for um, no, maybe it was for Search for Spock. It was either for Search for Spock or for the Voyage Home. Okay. And but it was the first time I think I'd really seen because a lot of the time when you watch trailers from the eighties, it it feels like they should they shouldn't feel as old as they do. But they do that thing <laughs> where there's the voiceover is really like pedestrian, and they hadn't nailed how those voiceovers are supposed to sound. Voiceover man hadn't yeah, started he, doing them yet. No, and and they and they do like the. It isn't a new thing that they used to show you too much of the trailer. There was like this real fear that you wouldn't go and see it if you didn't know everything that happened. They've actually and got I, shorter, I think. I think they have. Yeah, when you look at ones for like films like The Dirty Dozen or not The Dirty Dozen, like um, Guns of Navarone or something like. Yeah. Or you know those those old six seventy fifties and sixties yeah. films or whatever. 60s or 70s they, films they, they, they were, were ridiculously long they were literally there to fill time on the because the oh excuse me um, belch on mike that's lovely but um they used to you know they the, in the old days like cinemas the screen was always running wasn't yeah. it like and people would come in and they'd sit there and wait for the film to start again and so trailers were to fill the gaps while the film wasn't you know so so they were really long but oh i Sorry, I'm now. I'm now like, oh, I'm going to steer it back onto Marvel TV shows again. That's cool because that was the original. That was the original track, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't finish. Actually, I didn't. I didn't make my point, which is oh, that there, there was the the teaser. The teaser that everyone was sharing for the defenders was of them all fighting in a corridor, and you got to see each of them doing a move, and it looked really stagey and weird and, was, and kind of flat. Well, here's the thing. That's one of the best fights in the series. So, right. like, like they really they they used one of their best bits for the trailer. There, that tells you, like, don't watch Defenders. It's it's when they veer it's when they veer into that territory that it becomes really obvious that they're not action, like yeah. they're not action movie or martial arts movie actors or. You know, or directors, or, or directors exactly. So there, there are there are ways of staging, and it's like it was pretty depressing for me. I think the rot started setting in when I saw Old Boy and realised that the best fight scene in the first season of Daredevil <laughs> was a straight lift from Old Boy because it was like, oh. oh, and so then the rest of it's from the raid. So uh, I don't know. Mm. Um, but, but yes, were you going to steer it on to Punisher? I was because the cool. thing about the thing I will say about Punisher is I think you'd like Punisher. Um, it's because you 
like me, you like stories about. Oh, in fact, we had that long story, a long conversation about Garth Ennis last time we recorded, didn't we? Yeah. So, yeah, the um, it's it, it is it's that kind of thing. It is baggy. It does mm-hmm. like, but it's not as it's the least baggy Netflix show so far. I would say, like it, it has like a, a an unnecessary extra bit of plot in the middle that kind of, but even that's kind of trying to make a thematic point, and it kind mm-hmm. of and it has a bit of a, um, it suffers from that multiple finales thing that these shows tend to have these days. But but it it's it definitely fills its time better. You know, it justifies its time better than than any of the, the Marvel shows have so far, mm-hmm. and it's um, you know it's a it's a story about uh, a man lost to violence who is you know doesn't know how to do anything else and you know uh, seeking his warped sense of justice that and it, you know and it's it's got that character portrait thing going on and it's but it's got a level of nuance to that kind of story that kind of um reve- you know the revenge thriller they've actually they have used the um the extra sort of space to kind of bring some nuance to that like it go it, it goes out the window in the final mm-hmm. act because of course it does because it kind of has to for the story to work really but it does it does explore these things in a way that I wasn't or it it pushes it in directions I wasn't quite expecting it to go, and that I thought were quite beneficial. And it is it it's much better done, like in terms of clearly the people making it understand that genre a lot better than they might understand the martial arts genre. Yeah, you know? um, and it's uh, yeah, I I I really liked it. There were there are, there are missteps. There are you know there are, there are. There's a scene where a you know a passionate love scene is intercut with a violent torture scene. <laughs> like, Always, yeah. And yeah. I just I never want to see that again because it's just so boring. But um, but that you know that happens once in thirteen episodes, and um, it's got some you know there there was a point where where it put me in mind of and in a not unfavorable way, uh, Mind Hunter. Right, and, and that's very high praise. Do you know what I mean? Like, have you have, yeah. you, have you seen Mindhunter? We watched the because we've we've been stretched pretty thin the last couple yeah. of weeks. We watched the first one, okay, and were blown away by it. And then we watched most of the second one, but it was it was at that time when, like, Amy fell asleep halfway through, not because Fair it enough. wasn't good. Um, but because like that happens a lot at the moment, of course, because yeah. we're we're quite tired. So, um, and so we've kind of defaulted a little bit to watching um, less weighty stuff, like we some did, of our trashy shows. We did that with uh, Man in the High Castle. Like we found we could only watch one episode at a time, so it become so you end up falling way behind and watching lots of like Supernatural or whatever. It's like yeah. some things are just easier. I can I get that. It, yeah. It, um. I. I I mean, I'll be person one thousand telling you that Mindhunter is worth like getting to the end of. But you know, oh yeah, I, got, I could tell. We could tell. I think we want to, but it's like there's a lot of good because the sinner just okay. came onto Netflix and we saw the first episode of that and that was stunning. And okay. we haven't um, what 
really striking and we haven't watched the rest of that yet either and so there's lots of i think but it's it's difficult with those really good but i wouldn't say mindhunter was dense necessarily it's actually really funny a lot of the time it is yeah the the certainly in the first couple of episodes but um it's also very upsetting in places though yeah and, and kind of almost more so because of the the fact that it's got humor in it as well yeah, and the more beautiful and the less throwaway something is, like mm. just just the more, um, like if if Amy falls asleep halfway through a Criminal Minds, I'm not gonna like, <laughs> I'm not gonna stop everything and say we should watch this when you've got like because it doesn't matter if you miss half of one of those, yes, really, yeah, but no, um, but it's uh, it's one of those, but yeah, so it sounds to me like the the Punisher thing they had more of a handle on the Punisher character in Daredevil Season 2 than they did on Daredevil as well, because the point yeah. where I stalled out of watching that the first time was what should have been their, this is the episode people are going to be talking about forever sort of one, which was Daredevil and Frank oh, on, the, on, the on the roof. Yeah. And everything that everything that Frank Castle said was like, you know sociopathic but but it made um, sense but it it kind of made sense that that character would think that yeah and every counter that daredevil that matt murdoch the lawyer and hero had was to it just sounded flat it was like it was like basically well but you should be good because being good is good is kind of how i remember it yeah it a hundred percent came across as though the show agreed with frank yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and couldn't even come up with an argument for, and 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 that's one of those things is like when you have a really cuz the first season of Daredevil looked beautiful as well. Like Stephen mm. Denight is a great like showrunner, I think. Is that Stephen Denight or Stephen it Knight? Is. I'm not sure. The Sparks I think guy. I think it's Denight. Yeah. Yeah. Um he's a great showrunner and and so it just highlights like when you get uh, when you get cool moments, it kind of highlights that actually they've not got a handle on the dialogue the rest of the time, or there's some really bad or weak writing or whatever going mm. on. And I think that's the thing. The thing with um, uh, uh, Jessica Jones is I, f- I felt like making the Purple Man like he was in it for because even in the comics, he kind of we there are several volumes of the comic before he's really in it properly. And he's sort of contended okay. with in, in one arc, I think, isn't he? I think you don't find out what her I've, what her deal I've is not, for a while. I've never read the comic. Oh, so, okay. So I, I do not know. But um, but yeah. So okay, Punisher. Yeah, I will watch the, it. The, it's good. I think I think you'll like it. I think it's it's um, they do some stuff with because the thing about Punisher is there's and I, and I, th- I saw a lot of people talking about this in the run up to it coming along was like that it's. Uh, it would be very easy to go into some very bad territory with the Punisher. Mm. Like, there's some political overtones to that character that have always been there that are uh, unpleasant. And, you know, and they're kind of baked into the character in a lot of ways. But they they found it was... I found it interesting. They, They... and it's not like revolutionary, but they they found a direction to take him in that really mitigated a lot of that stuff. Right, like it doesn't it doesn't erase it completely, but but actually, um, yeah, you'll see. 
when you watch it. Like it, it, it they they take him in a direction that is is a, a lot less uncomfortable than it could have been. Put it that way, and you can just enjoy him killing people in horrible ways and be <laughs> happy about it. Well, because I think um, that's that's the thing we talked about a little bit. Is it's one of those things where if you and I was a bit worried about a, a Marvel Netflix show about it because you're uh, unless unless you've got something really worthwhile to say when you drill into that character um, mm. or that isn't too sketchy to say, you really are just better off ig- avoiding delving too deeply into him at all, aren't you? Like he's in um, in Punisher Warzone, the movie. Have you seen that? I, I'm sure you probably saw it a long time yes. before I did. Oh, yes. yeah. um, they, I think it's really good. I really enjoyed it. I think it's really good. But they managed to pretty much deal with um deal with the character by not really touching on he's he's basically just he's a force of nature yeah you don't yeah exactly and that's kind of the best the best way to treat that character unless you really know what you're doing i think i I think so i think he's um he's kind of the punisher is isn't a character he's a plot device in a lot of stories and that that's that's a very valid way to use him i think i mean god that's what garth ennis does with him half the time like Mm. um this do- this doesn't do that. This is much more of a character study of him, like the two, but it, in a way that does work. Like I, I I thought it was really good. Justice League uh, was a lot of fun, by the way. <laughs> I really enjoyed Justice League. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I I try and I try and separate myself out from my preferences on that, and try not to judge. But it's difficult because. People who like the Marvel Studios films a lot, a lot of people who like the Marvel Studios films a lot, can't leave a conversation about DC movies go, no, without and jumping in it. But where where I get really frustrated is is in my circle of in the circle of people whose opinions I pay attention to about this stuff, and you know, which is wider than my circle of friends. But this is also true within my circle of friends to a degree. Although, uh, thank you know. The, the closer the friends are, the better they are about this. Um, but there, there is this thing of, like, there there are people who like the Marvel films and there are people who like the DC films, and, there, uh, and the ones who like the DC films are very willing to sort of say, well, the, you know, it's about your personal tastes and biases, mm. and, and these are why I like those more than, than the other ones. And, and, and it's a, it is about personal preferences. And yes, there is an element of, you know, there might be an element of, you know, for me, there's definitely an element of the DC universe is the one I bonded to at eight years old, mm. you know. And, um, and then the Marvel fat contingent seemed to be completely unable to acknowledge their personal biases on the subject. They're, they're, no, it is that they're better films. Is the <laughs> insist and it's and it and and it it's utterly maddening because I've seen those films. Yeah, and they are they just they're just not better. They're just <laughs> like the, the, technically, I would you know. Oh, anyway. <laughs> It gets it gets very confusing because the people who um, it's easier with the DC films because there's a person, there's one individual, uh, there's one director with a very distinct style that people yeah. can latch on to, and even though a lot of the people who don't like the Superman films he's done um, 
actually don't see do seem to have quite liked Watchmen and might yeah. even be in the market for the Watchmen comics that are coming out at the moment, which is weird. That is um, weird. Uh, the they it's easy to just it's easy to just point out well if this one guy was blah then that that's what they've got to do they've got to get rid of this guy and blah 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 blah. and and they end up taking but they end up taking very extreme points and it becomes even more confusing once joss whedon gets involved because like a lot of what they're saying about the marvel films uh opinions they formed when he was the main guy (laughs) driving a lot of that stuff yes um and uh, and so people end up taking these really weird dogmatic positions on it, which is which is very strange. I was having a conversation with someone the other day on Twitter um, who was saying, who was looking at something in Thor Ragnarok and saying, the best thing about Thor Ragnarok was this rock creature and blah, blah, blah. And the DC movies are so, are like, way behind this. And, like, and th- that's one indication, if nothing else, that DC movies just couldn't do something like that. They're way behind. And I was like... Well, I don't. I'm not going to argue the merits of that because I haven't seen Thor Ragnarok yet, and I haven't seen Justice League yet. But Thor Ragnarok's something like the fifteenth or seventeenth or something film in this series. So, just on the basis of hours on film, of course, the DC universe is going to be behind. They haven't <laughs> done as many films in this shared universe they're doing, and like on on balance, like. Even if you've hated every single one of the DC films so far, you'd have to be kind of crazy to think that there haven't been that many hours of duff stuff in the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe because there's been so fucking much of it. I, I would say, um, it's, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you say that like, because Justice League is the, it's Avengers. It, like, mm. I, it was what I sort of about halfway through, I just found myself thinking. Oh my god! No, it, it really is like it's their Avengers film. It's you know, it's even got the Whedon dialogue and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's you know, in terms of where they are in the progression of the universe, it is the the you know the, they're at that point now. They've they've done the individual movies and now there's the team, and and it's it is exactly as good as the first Avengers movie. I would say you know it's got all the same problems. And mm-hmm. it's got all the same strengths, and it's just as much fun. You know, everything that's good about it is the same stuff that's good about Avengers. It's more interesting to look at, I mm-hmm. think, personally, but that depends on your aesthetic taste. Mm-hmm. I like the costumes in Justice League. Um, I'm aware that a lot of people think they're horrifying. That's fine. Uh, but. Yeah, that's where it is. So yeah, give them another ten movies, and we'll see where they are then. Yeah. But like, it's... I will say, I think Thor Ragnarok is a better film. Mm. Like in terms, because you know, I have the I'm, I'm I don't know if you know. Like um, I feel like it's you know everyone knows what I mean when I talk about good films and bad films. Mm-hmm. And, like I have a like a scale in my head. I have this this whole thing. I and I probably have talked to you about this. Like of this idea of like that. There's there. There's the scale of how much I like a thing, and then there's the scale of, but how technically good is it? Like, yeah. of, and that those aren't the same thing, and that I don't believe. You know, I believe how much you like a piece of work is a hundred is is subjective, but you can say that something is objectively good and bad based on mm-hmm. like technical things. You know, you, you can say that writing 
you know, it, it, on the simple thing of like, if the spelling's bad, then then the writing, then that's a bad thing about writing. Yeah. Or whatever, you know, um, and Thor is a technically better film than Justice League, and yeah. I think I probably did enjoy it more, Ragnarok. But it's got it. It's got some pretty major issues, and I had some. I had some pretty specific like issues with Ragnarok and I'm and I'm not a hundred percent comfortable to be and like I don't want to get into it, especially as you haven't seen it, but like mm-hmm. um I've been thinking a lot about like the gender politics of it since seeing it, which I was already you know, I went into with questions about and I've come out of and I still have questions about, to be honest, mm-hmm. like there and and you know, just and I don't like that it definitely it has an attitude of yeah, but those first two are rubbish, aren't they? Like the film pretty much says that to you, yeah. Which, which actually which annoys me because I'm like, well, no, I'm here because I like the first two. Like that's yeah. why I'm sitting in this cinema right now. Like, <laughs> no, I I but, didn't. I think I know what you because I didn't like the first one that much, okay. except except for a couple of bits of characterization that I really liked, and it's because it's stuff that I pretty soundly put at the feet of I I think Kenneth Branagh it does very ambitious, okay, does very ambitious Shakespeare mm-hmm. films, but like doesn't really move the camera in a way that I like. Like okay. on any of the other stuff I've seen by him, so it's sort of so there are certain things about that. But I I always thought they got the cast kind of the casting kind of right for Thor himself and Loki and all of that stuff. Um, but but I don't think that's a good look any way. Yeah, because exactly. especially when a huge part of the a huge part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe fans thing. And they all loved that film as well. Is no, these films are they're all good in their own way. Yes, sort of, sort of thing, which is kind of it. it it's it's sort of make it's it's how I feel a little bit about Ryan Reynolds and the um the position he's taken up in comic geekdom at the moment, and the way Deadpool so completely the film completely rips into and he outside of it in the meta conversation about it completely rips into the super how ridiculous the whole superhero film is and how naff certain this film is or that film isn't or whatever and the whole way through it i'm thinking well but he's the guy who was in green lantern like yeah. which is one of the first of the films that people were really like yeah. <laughs> how can he be the savior and also one of the people how, at the yeah. root of all of this? That doesn't make any sense to me at all. How can he be the guy? How can he have been in X Men Origins Wolverine and then have the nerve? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that's it exactly to to act like to act like sometimes films are compromised by stuff that's going on behind the scenes it's basically all about money and it's a yeah. crapshoot whether it's going to be any good or not yeah. that's that's yeah. effectively there was um a, somebody posted a thing about um the marvel cinematic universe that that said that they've got another 20 film something like 20 films on the roster oh, good Lord. Good Lord. and i i honestly like to think that it isn't because i don't like the it isn't because I'm. I feel a bit lackluster. It's not that I don't like them. I feel a bit lackluster about the Marvel films now. 
Hmm. But I like to think that if I heard that there were another 20 films on the schedule for any franchise, it'd be I'd have roughly the same reaction, which is, fucking hell, that sounds more like a threat than anything else. <laughs> it doesn't. Well, yeah, it's... it does. It's like, I just, to me, I just feel like, um, I I feel... I feel like it's a con. I feel like it's unfair. It's like, you know, you're making a fucking TV show, mm. but you're making us wait longer for the episodes and pay a fucking tenner to watch them. Yeah. Like, th- no, make a TV show. Do it properly. You can, yeah. If, if, if this is what you want to do, then then deal with the fact that that actually you've, you, you know, deal with the constraints of doing it on television because that's where it should be mm-hmm. and, and, and do it properly. Don't don't tell me you're going to give me a film and charge me for a film and then give me a fucking bumper episode of a TV show. Fuck off. I don't it's like I literally I love Mo, I love Moana so much and I love there've been so many films out of Disney that I've loved in the last few years. But if you told me that I that the cinemas are going to be dominated by those for the next 20 years like one particular franchise out of the bunch of in fact, the, the cinemas are going to be dominated by those sorts of films for the next 20 years, but yeah. at least we get to pretend that they're coming out on their own schedule and that yeah. each one is its own separate art piece. But yeah. this is just like... Oh, it is. It is it's tiring. I, it's I, exhausting. It really is. I, there is a part of me that kind of hopes... Like, the thing is, I, I don't know what the... I don't believe what i've read about the uh justice league drastically underperforming because that's been said about every single dc movie so Mm. far and they've actually all done quite well and yeah like um but um the there's a bit of me that sort of hopes it has because i'd be just on the level of okay and that does that mean we can we can stop now Mm. (laughs) because actually i like them all so far like i like uh, I, I love Man of Steel, as you know. Yeah. I, I really like Batman versus Superman actually a lot. Like, um, uh, you know, it is a weird film, but it, yeah. but I like it a lot. Um, I really like Suicide Squad. It, that's a broken film, but I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, Wonder Woman's fucking fantastic, and then I've really enjoyed this one, and I'm I'm very interested to see what Aquaman's going to be like, but that's already made, so that's coming whether we want it or not. <laughs> but like, I, I, you know, James Wan is a very good director, but of a completely different genre. So I'm very interested to see what he's done, and then, like, and then if we don't get any more, that's that's okay. I'm all right yeah. with that. If we never get that Ben Affleck Batman film, I, I can live with that. It's it's cool. Like, I'm not a hundred percent convinced by his Batman. Like, like I like it works for me, but yeah. I'm not actually like. I don't feel like he's comfortable in 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 the role. So I'm that's cool. There's too but, much around it. There's too much baggage to it. Yeah, I think isn't it, and too much baggage to being Ben Affleck at the moment. Let's be well, honest. Well, yes, so, ab- yes, true. Definitely. But it's um no I I think and I I I definitely know what you mean I don't I don't have a problem with these things being scarce at all and it's and actually it's another part of the same conversation I had the other day was um I took issue in that very not autistic way that I think we've talked about very recently yeah uh, with the 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 other person said well it's it's reasonable to talk about these films together because they're um. 
because you know they're competing with each other or like or no yeah because because they had specifically said that that dc is so far behind yes. on where they are in the films and and i was like well i was already approaching it from the logical point that well yes because they've been doing them for less they've done fewer films but also that like they weren't doing the same fit they they clearly weren't trying to compete at the beginning like in anything except the most corporate sense dc were were getting visionary directors that word is loaded and suggests a value judgment that i know would bug some people because i'm talking about zack snyder but snyder but they took directors who make films auteurs that's it um they took auteurs and to begin with let them largely do whatever the fuck they wanted. Yes. Which is why those first few films feel a lot like the Nolan Batman films, as much as I'm not that fond of them, and um, Man of Steel feel relatively uncompromised. Yes. Um, And they did the opposite thing over at Marvel. Marvel started out giving comedy directors characters that nobody cared very much about at the time. Well, not nobody cared very much about, but like that they still had the license for because they hadn't been able to sell it because there wasn't the appetite outside of comics for a film about Iron Man. The the ones they still had left after they'd sold all the popular ones. Yeah, exactly. I think it it is entirely fair to say they were... I mean, that's... Yeah, now we're getting into the territory of like where I get frustrated when they say they can't. Oh, you can't launch new characters. No, we have to keep everything has to be connected to an existing property. That's why you can't. You know, that's why we have to change the, you know, the existing character to make them more diverse, rather than introduce new characters who are more diverse. Mm-hmm. Is because new characters don't sell. Because Iron Man has always been the biggest selling Marvel yeah. character. Like. Well, Cap- Captain Captain America was Marvel's was Marvel's Superman, wasn't wasn't yeah. he? He's the he's the character that they kind of had to have around because of what he Represents. stood for. But they always struggled to sell comics with him in, so it's well, sort of. I think it's not coincidental, actually, that the whitest roster of of Marvel characters is the ones that they couldn't sell. Yeah, like actually, like because um, <clears throat> you know his for. 20 years, the most popular characters at Marvel were the X-Men. The yeah. most diverse section of their line. Like, yeah. And, anyway, yeah. But so, so the, the, so, I'm not, like, everyone loves Thor Ragnarok and it felt like people were starting to go off the boil a little bit up until um, Guardians of the Galaxy, which I know, which I know you, you're not fond of, but did seem like People grip gra- grappled with it, like gripped onto it a little bit with quite a lot of vigor because I think it was the first. That was the point at which those films it was starting to be obvious that they all looked the same and they yes. all felt roughly the same. And then God into the <clears throat> Galaxy came along and it and looked it like, like its Star own Wars. thing. Well, it does look like Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it it looks like kind of its own thing in relation to those other films, and it's oh, like, yeah. well, yeah. So they've 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 finally given one of those films to someone who can actually make a film that looks like Star Wars. I mean, I'm I'm talking about Thor Ragnarok. Oh right, sorry. But, okay, but, yeah. but, so, but someone who is actually going to, and it sounds it sounds a little bit like either Taika Waititi like took the initiative or they allowed him too because he seems to have put quite a lot of himself into that film from what i can gather 
Oh yeah, I, um, I think. Well, I mean, literally, like because he is Korg. He is. All right. Rock. Okay. I mean the um <clears throat> the I will definitely say like Thor Ragnarok is the most is probably the most visually interesting Marvel film today. Mm. Like very much so. Um, I was sort of frustrated. Um, I I made a mistake if I listened to an interview with him after I saw it, mm-hmm. and and in that like he talks about the fact that he didn't read any Thor comics. He tried mm-hmm. to read when he didn't like it. Yeah, but he looks at all the he looks at the pictures though, and it is very clear that he did look at the pictures, <laughs> and so th- the visuals are there. But it, yeah, he, he, um. I really wish I hadn't listened to the interview because in because in the interview he was very scathing about the previous films as well and like it was quite it 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 really felt quite um, I don't know just, has he leaned into the enfant terrible sort of possibly. thing a little bit as well the sort of slightly he's the he's the nearest thing to a punky director they've had since yeah. James Gunn and James yeah. Gunn was the nearest thing to a punky director they'd had since ever. Well, since Blade, probably, (laughs) (laughs) which wasn't a Marvel Studios film, but yeah. yeah. So it's um, yeah, it's definitely like it's it's the closest thing to an auteur film they've. But it's yeah, it's the most you know, it's the nearest thing to a DC film they've done. It's the most uh, uh, sort of singular vision of a film. Um, I still, I personally still think the first Thor is is the best, possibly only like properly good. Marvel film, but mm. um, but that's from my um, personal sort of definitions of what makes a good film. Which um, I, it's interesting what you said about not moving the camera because that is a really fair point. Like it, visually, it's one of it's weirdly one of the least interesting Marvel films actually. Mm. Uh, the first Thor, but the the reason I love it is because um, it's it it's got a it's the only one with a proper story that mm. is a proper self-contained story with actual character arcs that that pay off, that fully work within the story and pay off within the story and do aren't reliant on any other films and you know there, there's there's sort of a little bit of shield shoved in there a little bit but it it kind of it it does stand by itself and it's got women in it mm-hmm. and like several <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, that's. I think that's probably fair. I think, I yeah. think that maybe by that point, I was, I was. I probably judged that more harshly than I judged Iron Man because I was used to what those films looked like by that point. That's, yeah, I can see that. So in in Iron Man, it was just nice to see one of those characters on a screen and that they they'd put a bit of money into some CGI to make it happen and stuff like that. But by Thor, I was like, well, but these are all on a pl- this. It looks like a soundstage, you know. Yeah. It's sort of, um, and Avengers, the first Avengers, was the f- even that is a bit flat, but that was yeah. the first one where they had fights where the camera moved around during the fight and stuff like that. Which um, I, I, Iron Man, it was like, oh, this is it's it's a superhero film that looks like a film, yeah. Like, and then and so that was a big rush, and then, um, and then Avengers was oh, they've actually made it exciting now. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, but then yeah, they've never sort of yeah. This this is the first one, like Ragnarok is the first one that just actually feels like uh, someone de- delivering on the fun promise. 
yeah. that, that they've always talked about with the Marvel films that I've never I've never felt with any of them. Like it, I, I'm because I've been quite harsh about it. I'm realizing mm. we're talking about it, and, but it's it is really good. I do recommend mm. it. Like it's um, yeah, it's got one. Of, it, it has one of the best fight scenes in any of the Marvel f- films so far. Like the, have you seen the trailer? I the I know him uh, from work. That yes, bit. yeah. The, the fight scene that follows that is, I think, the best fight scene in any Marvel film so far. That's like, cool. It's it's really well, just well choreographed. Well, uh, I want to say filmed, but I, I think it's pretty much animation. You know, <laughs> pretty much uh, all CG. Yeah, yeah. But it is just really good. It really works really well, and yeah. Any, but anyway, I don't know. How did we get here? <laughs> I don't. I think we start. We started making. You mentioned Justice League. We did the football oh, yeah. thing. I was, was very jo- clever, I was... and I ruined it by dragging it into a conversation. But it's a oh. good. I mean, I've liked the conversation. Uh, well, and I, I quite liked that. I got to talk about Justice League a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's... but it's uh, it is interesting because it's like the it, it feels to me that where the more recent DC films, when they've not been. Uh, the problems with them have all felt so much like studio interference. Oh god, yes. And that's that's all been about trying to fit with what people have been complaining about. So yeah, now they are trying to com- now the studios trying to compete with Marvel. Yeah. You can, like which is at odds with what was yeah. good about those movies in the first place, but you can absolutely 100% tell while you're watching Justice League which bits were Snyder and which bits were Whedon. Like it's it's one hundred, and it, a lot of it is is the um, a lot of the dialogue scenes between the team are Whedon. A lot of the Superman stuff is Whedon. Like, um, uh, you know, one of the ways you can tell the Whedon bits are because Superman's face looks weird, right? Oh because yeah, of course, because it, it was written up. Yeah, it's and it's it does look really weird. <laughs> I, I, I warn you. It does. Like I, someone one, showed a. Sorry, go on. It's one of those things where, to start with, I was like, "Is this just because I know? Like, mm-hmm. if I didn't know, would this?" But and then there are some scenes where I'm like, "Oh, that's really weird." <laughs> that looks really. Odd. Someone shared a photo of it. Um, someone showed a photo of it and was joking about how ridiculous it looked. It was a still, and yeah. I was looking at it thinking, "Well, but is it weird because?" it's cg or is it weird because we haven't seen henry cavill smiling in this role at all before <laughs> you see i've <laughs> i've seen henry cavill smiling because i've seen uh, man from uncle all right um which i highly recommend by the way that's a really good film is um, it better than king 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 mate king kingsland whatever that stupid i'm being i'm being facetious <laughs> Oh, much, much because they're both spy movies. Oh my god, it's 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 in a different, yeah. It's um, Man from Uncle. Is, do you know about you? Like you obviously know about the sixties TV show. Yeah. yeah, I know that. Yeah, I'm that. I'm yeah. So I'm the, old enough that it was still kind of knocking around in repeats. So. Yeah, was well, it was when I was. Yeah, and you're like you're. Oh god, you're ancient compared to me, aren't you? Yeah, so there's yeah. at least like two or three years. Yeah. <laughs> um, and but um, Man from so the film is directed by Guy Ritchie. Um, Henry Cavill is Napoleon Solo, and on on Army Hammer is Ilya Kuryakin. Yeah. Um, and there is 
so much clearly deliberate gay subtext between them. Uh, I was really, I was quite taken aback <laughs> by it because it's it's really clear, like it's it's definitely not accidental, like <laughs> and um, which is you know very entertaining and uh, it's just a good film. It's just a good like fun spy film. Do you know the kind they don't make anymore? Really, everyone I've seen talking about it who actually watched it has said that about it. Which is which is interesting, isn't it? Because it's a, yeah. you know I know how this works. Uh, John Carter was great, and like so, j- j- the, the, we, we've uh, uh, one of my colleagues at work was saying he was talking about one of those punk gigs. I don't know which one it was, but it was it was like Woodstock and all of those other things that like more people were apparently there than um, could could possibly fit on the Isle of Wight or whatever. Yeah. You know yeah. that that sort of thing. The more people were at the Isle of Wight, J- Jimi Hendrix performance than than could possibly fit on the Isle of Wight, and it used to be about cool, seminal, important things. But now it's people having opinions about films that they haven't watched because they can't have watched them because only five <laughs> people apparently watched them <laughs> to look at the box yeah. office, and that's the case with John Carter, which it's just it's just a, it's just an established fact that that film was shit and nobody liked it. Yeah, but but most people didn't watch it, and it's the same with like Man from Uncle, I think, isn't it? I don't. I, it, it, I think it came out opposite something. Mm. I, uh, I think that was what happened. I because I remember it getting re- good reviews as well, but it just sank. I, um, I yeah, I watched the, like the first twenty minutes of John Carter a couple of times, and and or I've watched I've watched a chunk of that film. I've tried that to watch that <laughs> film more than once and I um I'm I'm reliably informed that it's good by other people who, uh and I, I'm more power to them. I'm glad they have a film they enjoy. Um <laughs> Man from Uncle is actually good. Like, All right, oh I see. I think <laughs> I think um I think I watched Car- it on Prime. Right. Okay. I'll I'll have a look for that. I think um uh I think John Carter might suffer from the fact that it's really fucking long and it has got a weird framing sequence that's completely unnecessary which means you're watching it for about 10 or 15 minutes before it's really before no, it I, gets to the flying around on strange creatures and and stuff like that. I think that might be part of my issue with it. Yeah. Actually, which which, which is a bit of a struggle. What's that? I'll give it another go at some point. But it, yeah. but it did benefit from being seen on a big screen, and you kind of feeling like you had to stay in your seat okay. because you'd paid for a ticket as well. Because it's very epic. I mean, it is very sort of, it's visually very spectacular, quite, uh, quite quickly. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I quite liked it, but I will try. I will try Man from Uncle because it sounds like it's really objectively mu- a much better film. <laughs> well, I, do you know? I would say I would argue that that is the case, but I also think you will enjoy it. I think it is, fun. yeah. Like it's it's a very, it's a funny film, and it's it's very well shot, and it's very well it, like it's got a good script and and it, two very charismatic leads, and yeah, like Hugh Grant is good in it. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah it is, isn't it? <laughs> like, um, I mean, do you like Guy Ritchie as a director? No, I, he's, he's not always good, but I actually, I even the films I I haven't seen all of his films. I haven't. I've got no mm. interest in seeing the Sherlock Holmes movies. 
I see they're they're all right, you know. Um, I, I wasn't so taken with the second one, but I feel I just I maybe I've burned out on Robert Downey Jr. Well, that'd suck, mm. wouldn't it? Because I I loved Robert Downey Jr. But it's it's Richie's eye that does it for me. Like he's, yeah, he's a, he again he, he's in like if you'd said to me. Yeah, I, I say that a lot, don't I? Oh, if you said to me so long ago that blah blah blah, but like it's because we're constantly surprised. We're learning yeah. all the time. It's good. Yeah, but you know, I talk about like that. You know, I have that whole thing about there's a school of directors that are often quite maligned, but that mm. their their strength is in their eye and in their visual storytelling. Mm. And that I'm a big, you know, and that's which is why I I will rank Snyder alongside Del Toro. Yeah. Like, um, weirdly even though he, I don't think he's known for this particularly, I think Guy Ritchie is kind of in that area as a director. Like, if he's, you know, if you think back about Lockstock, what made it good was actually, it wasn't just, you know, the banter and the quick stylings. And all that. I've just realised I've lent way away from my mic. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, it wasn't just the writing. It was the visual style. It was the, you know, the, the, the introduction, you know, the, the character walking on screen and then going still and having their name come up on you know and all of mm. that stuff like there there was a lot of visual style in those early films and it does carry over into the like much more than you might think into the later stuff like the the Sherlock Holmes films are very vi- visually interesting and 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 so is uh, um actually kind of to a lesser degree man from uncle but it is like it's really I think, like I say, I think you'll enjoy it. It's interesting that he's doing these big ticket movies mm. after after, and Matthew Vaughan's basically just try like trying his damnedest to follow in his footsteps as well, which yeah. is quite interesting. He's doing these big ticket franchise movies, having started out with the with stuff that was very like it's trade trading on sort of it, it's not. I don't. I don't know to what extent he was inspired by Tarantino or whatever, but Tarantino had shown that you could make those sorts of films, which were like snappy, talky, scripted, like yeah, like dialogue heavy but visually interesting, even though they were mostly just people talking to each other. And that's what he started out doing. But now he's doing these big sort of actiony, yeah. Like, uh, 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 they're kind of blockbusters aren't they they're fun there's jokes yeah, and there's are. action and stuff um i think the last one of his i saw was rock and roller and i remember it being really exciting like I, that's the one i haven't haven't seen i think that was the the like um that's the one that was roundly panned if i remember rightly as well yeah and, but and it's because kind of, it isn't his kabbalah movie is it I, I always get it mixed up he did a he did a Kabbalah movie. I didn't know that. I think so because he was with he was with Madonna, and there's a film yeah. that there was a film that was very. Um, but maybe Rock and Roller was because he he definitely going and doing these big Hollywood movies was definitely mm. a transition. Like, um, I think his last couple of his last couple of films that were crime British crime, normal normal blokes talking in a blah 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 way sort of thing. <sighs> it's not a very good description. Pretty sure. I know exactly what you mean, though. Pretty sure a good podcaster would have really nailed that. But you know what I mean. <laughs> like it, the, he 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 transitioned to in the way in a way that Danny Ball sort of did, but not quite. Um, but he he transitioned to stories that were like just like 
you've got Robert Downey Jr. playing Sherlock Holmes sort of thing. Um, but... uh, I'm I'm looking at his filmography. Sorry, it's it's Revolver. I think might be the Kabbalah movie. Maybe. Yeah, which is is that the Jason Statham's in the? Yeah, that's the one that was panned. I've never watched. I didn't watch that, and I didn't watch Rock and Roller either. Was Rock and Roller after Revolver? Yeah. So go. Going... Yeah. Yeah, I so, think people ignored Rock and Roller because Revolver had been so widely panned. It goes Lockstock, Snatch, um, Swept Away, which I forget is him. That's another Madonna movie, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. him. And then, and I never watched, like, I, yeah, I didn't watch that. So I kind of, I, I bookended his career, clearly. So, because mm. it Swept Away, Revolver, Rock and Roller. And then I think I'd just written them off because I'd just been like, oh, I don't care about it. I'm yeah. not interested in any of those. And then Sherlock Holmes is good. Then there's the second Sherlock Holmes, then Man from Uncle. And the second Sherlock Holmes is all right. It's not brilliant, but it's all right. And then Man from Uncle is really good. And then he's just done that King Arthur film that's been panned. With... Uh, with um, Charlie yeah. Hummel, num, num, num. Who's Who's really quite good in Sons of Anarchy, but only because that's a very specific sort of show. You can get away with not being... Very an amazingly good. charismatic actor in a TV series like that that goes on for a really long time. I've, I yeah, I've, I am. Um, I don't. I don't get Charlie Hunnam. I love Pacific Rim, but he's the weak link in that for me. And like, I, I don't understand why Guillermo del Toro keeps casting him in everything. And I he's know. he's very weird in Widow, not Widow's Peak. The, yeah, the um, the Crimson other film, Peak. Crimson yeah. Peak, Crimson which is my, Peak, which is. Uh, an otherwise wonderful film. Yeah. I think he's um Yeah, I don't I he's he is po- forever poisoned for me, Charlie Um Num for uh, I'm yes, I'm gonna keep calling him that. <laughs> saying it because I like saying it. But um have you ever seen Green Street? I haven't. Isn't it basically ID but with like even less realistic or something? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's um uh the the Hobbit comes to not the hobbit not not martin freeman uh frodo comes to yeah comes to england and he's so he's an american student in england and he gets involved in football hooliganism um i I don't think there's anything more to it than that he just gets drawn into football hooliganism and the way he gets drawn into it is through his friend cockney charlie who has the i i Thought he, I believed that he was American for a very long time. I was <laughs> really shocked to discover that he's actually British because his Cockney accent <clears throat> is the worst Cockney accent I've ever heard in a film or tele- in any, any media in my life. I was just, it, it was, it is, I find it personally insulting. <laughs> after um if you'd watched the first season of sons of anarchy with a real uh real ear to how he was acting because i think i'd only seen him in queer as folk before that and so had amy um then you wouldn't have been that convinced that he was an american i uh, oh god is he the is he the young lad in queer as folk yeah yeah he is oh okay and so that's the first we've seen him grow then. up on screen oh, um and uh it's it's uh yeah in after the very last episode of Sons of Anarchy, I decided I wanted to I wanted to know a bit more. So I um so I watched uh the you know those those really annoying after show 
shows oh, God, yes. yeah, yeah. that they started with the walking dead and they do but the weird thing about the sons of anarchy thing is it's hosted by the guy who makes it okay the see, showrunner I, can, I think i can see the point of that a little bit more yeah and he's kind of he's very much an auteur and right. kurt, uh, kurt, kurt sutter yeah. Um, who came up through the shield and through like I think maybe a couple of a Sean Ryan shows and has a very similar sort of um, uh, aesthetic and he's actually in the um, he's actually in lots of Sons of Anarchy which I didn't realise until afterwards but it's him talking to Charlie Hunnam and it's clear that all of these guys were very sort of close and Charlie Hunnam's the main character in it and he is quite you know he embodies the character by the end of it anyway but they're talking about it and he sort of says, yeah, he's, they're talking about their favourite things and he's sort of saying, I really like the second... Uh, Charlie Hunnam saying, um, yeah, I, by the second series, I was really starting to to find my way with it because, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's clear, but uh, for the first series, mostly I was just uh, trying to... Um, trying to get the accent right. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. But to be fair, Brian, it's Brian Azzarello's fault that I can tell when an English guy is trying to do an American accent now. Really? Yeah, because I didn't realise that we have soft consonants until I read him doing John Constantine. Oh. And you know Brian Azzarello writes everything phonetically, so everyone reacted really badly to him writing John Constantine. But if you actually read John Constantine out, he does kind of sound like an English person. Brian Azzarello's run on on Hellblazer is my favourite one. It's really good, isn't it? Yeah, I I read all of Hellblazer in like one run, like because I'd never read it, and I I, so I got the whole thing and read the whole thing, Mm. and um, and yeah, his his chunk of Hellblazer really stands out in in the full three hundred issues as the best for me because by by that point wasn't every british writer who came onto it basically hitting all the greatest hits of previous yeah and and they continue to do that afterwards as well yeah yeah Yeah, so it's sort of they've got their chaz story they've got their blah blah they they reintroduce the the um, pantheon basically and it's yeah um yeah no i thought it i thought it was really good and but ever since then i'm very aware that that uh, and I don't think most of us realise it. I certainly didn't that we just we've got totally soft consonants most of the time, and Americans don't talk like that necessarily. And so mm. now I can really hear it when someone's not quite nailing their American accent. There are only certain <laughs> words it comes out on, but it, it comes out on a few of them. But yeah, so the guy the guy Ritchie thing. I keep wanting to say Shane Ritchie. It's when he stopped trying to do personal films. I think ah. I think that's what it is. And it and I, I can understand why he stopped trying to do personal films after those two Madonna films or like the Kabbalah films and and then Rock and Roller sank without trace. Like, of course he's going to be like, well, all I really know how to do is direct films. Um, yeah. I I might as well sell out and start doing Hollywood movies. No one he's, wants to hear me talking no. about stuff I care about anymore. He's so much better at it than Matthew Vaughan, though. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's inevitable to compare them, but. Anyway, we, we should we should go. we've tried to stop like probably about six times now, and it's a it, disease. <laughs> it's all and, going out because uh, because I haven't put an episode out in ages. So <laughs> let's stop it before it gets any yes bigger. Let's let's do that. As um, the actress said to the bishop. <laughs> well, thank you, uh, thank you for getting me, but like basically forcing me to start podcasting again. I did need someone to do this. Well, I and I. You know, 
I, I, I need your podcasts to listen to. And oh. I don't mind if I'm on them. I still listen to them anyway because, <laughs> you know, I have the advantage that my memory is really bad. So by the time I listen, by the time it comes around, I've forgotten everything I said. So it's, you know, I get to be an audience member. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's good. Um, <laughs> I uh, I will I will speak to you on the internet soon, David. Cool. It's I, lovely, yeah. always lovely talking to you. I love it. I just did a peace sign to the microphone. Did you? I didn't yeah. didn't know what you were going to say then. I actually i i am I am that man. I do peace signs at people. It's, uh-huh. My dad used to do it. It's I don't know when I started doing it. I it's it must be genetic. Anyway. I wasn't sure because we both belched. You belched earlier on and apologised, but I was at the exact same time you did it. I did a little quiet belch myself, which I didn't bring up. So when you said I just did a pit, I did not know what you were going to say. <laughs> did you just do a little one at yeah. the same time? Then a little quiet okay. one, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, let's go. Good. Good night. All right, mate. So that was David and I talking about telly and films, very specific sorts of telly and films, genre telly and films, I think. I think you might say, oh, one thing I didn't mention at the beginning of the podcast is that back in 2017, I also hadn't seen um, the uh, the DC CW show crossover of last year. I thought it was quite good. I thought it was all right. Um, Also, I would like to talk to David at some point about the show Hard Sun because I know he watched and enjoyed that. I I and my wife are watching that at the moment. My wife and I, I think, is the proper English form. Um, That's worth a watch. It's on BBC iPlayer at the moment. And uh, and you should give it a watch, listener. It's quite good. Uh, But I want to talk to David about that because um, it was quite a lot of fun and I think it's in both of our wheelhouses. so this is a comic book podcast that was pretty much a whole conversation that was not about comic books. It was a lot about superheroes, but not a lot about comic books. Uh, but there'll be another episode coming out in the very near future, which will probably be episode 125 proper or something like that, um, that will be about comics that is part of the same conversation. And hopefully you'll like it. Uh, you can... Uh, Find full show notes about this episode at the site. We have issues.net, no spaces, uh, no punctuation except for the dot and then and then the net. Um, is that even the address anymore? Hang on, I've got to check, listener. Yes, which is part of the other 10%, which is also home of Hello Newman, which has been coming out regularly for... Um, for the period that this has, this show has been away because James and Steve are much more reliable than I am. But yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Nick's site. Uh, you can find David on Twitter, but I'm not sure what the best address is for him at the moment. Probably David Wynn. Uh, you can also see his art weekly on uh, Explain the X-Men, uh, Jane Mars Explain the X-Men, which is a brilliant show. Um, yeah, I think that's it for this episode. Uh, see you in the next one. Hear you in the, listen, speak to you in the next one. Bye.